Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Film Chat. This time, Danny and I have to thwart an alien warlord's attempts to destroy the Earth. Early on, we are captured on a planet Mongo, and Danny is taken to the evil Emperor's bedchambers, while I reckon with diverse foes including the Hawkmen, the Wood Beast, and of course, the robotic secret police chief, Clytus. Huh? Oh, um, huh? oh, yeah, sorry. That, that, that was going to be what we did on the show, but I, I realised that was almost identical to the plot of the sci-fi camp classic Flash Gordon. Oh, and instead, we're just going to sit around and talk about films. Oh, that was my backup plan. Bit disappointing. Uh, uh, I'm Sam Foster, and this is my luscious companion, Danny Moran. Hello. On this episode of Film Chat, we find out whether the new Adam Sandler film, The Cobbler, is a load of cobblers when Sam cobbles together a review of The Cobbler. Plus, I tell the tale of my review of the tale of Princess Kaguya, <laughs> the latest animation from Studio Ghibli, plus a 45-minute reenactment of the Steps of Odessa sequence from Battleship Potemkin, and my rendition of Taylor Swift's Shake It Off, which Katie assures me will both make the final cut. That and a uh, little else. Brilliant. Okay, so been a bit thin on the ground with um, letters this week. We didn't do our normal uh, Facebook cry for attention. We, we, we did, but no. Oh, we did? Replied. Oh, I didn't we'll see make, it. Make it even more pathetic. Oh, my God. The cry went unheard, <laughs> unheeded. Okay, but we did actually get one quite exciting letter from a famous film director who we've spoken about many times, <laughs> Matthew Vaughan. Oh, right, okay. He wrote in uh, to respond to some of the remarks that we've made about him. Oh, dear. This is what he says. As a devoted fan of Film Chat from day one, I have been more than a little hurt to hear you drag my name through the mud week after week as though all my films are produced using slave labour, financed by Mexican drug money, and colour-corrected with the blood of children. I care about my work, and I challenge you to name any other filmmaker who has even suggested making Robert De Niro wear a dress or having Samuel L. Jackson vomit at the sight of blood. As for your suggestion that I don't care about computer effects, I'll have you know that I caused at least four CG artists to seek psychological care owing to my perfectionist quest to get the fireworks exploding heads display in Kingsman looking as genius as it does. You two wouldn't know bold, fresh filmmaking if it saved your life and then fucked you in the arse. Having said that, 
I do enjoy the podcast and I will continue to listen regularly. <laughs> Yours, Matthew Vaughan. Wow. In many ways, that's the ultimate compliment, right? Yeah. Couldn't have been meaner to him, and yet he still tunes in. <laughs> yeah, well, it's quite flattering that he listened in the first, especially from day one. I don't think we really had the clout that we have now on day one. Shit, man. So past few weeks must have been rough for him. Yeah, poor guy. Um, poor Vaughn. <laughs> I've changed my view on him. I feel quite bad for him now. Actually, I feel bad having been so mean. I still find his movie too obnoxious for me to forgive him. Yeah. Even if he had written that letter, it would have been like. You're right. His movie is terrible. Sorry, Matthew. Um, your letter did not sway us. We continue to find you shit. <laughs> <laughs> but please do keep on listening. But please keep listening. Well, I think there's nothing we can do that will stop him. It sounds like he's say? committed now. This is almost a challenge into itself, really. What could we say that would make Matthew Vaughan stop listening? Um, I didn't find anything in your film shocking. You know what that sound was? That was the sound of Vaughn. Oh, I think I heard a click. Off. Yep, that was his laptop. It's gone. It's gone. It's off. Okay. Um, well, that's over. That's Let's over. Move on. Let's move on. Superhero films announced. Casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print. I have a piece of news. My Flash Gordon intro was inspired by... Um, I, people often ask me, you know, what inspired your intro this week? <laughs> you know, How do you think of that? So I'm preempting that quite boring by now question <laughs> by telling you that they have been working on a, a new Flash Gordon movie. It's been um, mooted for a while. Wow. And um, the latest on that is that the star of Flash Gordon, Sam Jones, has hinted that the new movie might actually be a direct sequel to the original rather than like a reboot. This is a long time coming because Flash Gordon ends with the words of the end appearing and then a question mark appears and like Ming's hand comes and picks up a ring. Yeah, suggesting that there will be another one. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and cackles. And maybe that's why they, they were making it a sequel because it really has to be a sequel. Like, otherwise, it really makes a mockery of the final bit yeah. of that film. So people are wondering whether Sam Jones, who is now about 60 years old, will <laughs> really be able to convince, you know? <laughs> as the like, intergalactic warrior. But there's been quite a lot of movies with old guys d- yeah, kicking ass, all, right? That's the, all the range Jerry Ashner, right? It's, Jerry Ashner, yeah, yeah, exactly. The Expendables and the Liam Neeson movies and this new Sean Penn film, The Gunman. And old yeah. men are kicking more ass than they ever previously have. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Sam Jones definitely seems to be uh, up for the role. And he is not phased by the idea that he is possibly aging a little bit. He says... However, uh, I told Matt, who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> so he's talking to a guy called Matt, right? He's talking to a guy called Matt. That's Matthew Riley, the VP of production at Fox Studios. I told Matt, however he wants to use me, keep one thing in mind. Whatever a younger leading man can do, I cannot only match him. I can do more. If he does 20 pull-ups, I can do 30 pull-ups. If he can do 100 push-ups, I can do 150 push-ups. Just keep that in mind. I like how you can do 10 more of one thing, but 50 more of another thing. It's, he, so it's 50% more. Oh, I see. He's actually I quite see. consistent. Oh, okay. He, he's 50% more than a younger man. He's like 1.5 times a younger man. Wow. Wow. That Does that imply Is that, that when just... he himself was younger, he he's, he's improved, you know? Has that, like... Um gradient gone up on a sort of consistent level so he was like times one when he did the first movie 15 years ago he was like (laughs) 1.25 yeah yeah that's 1.5 he's only getting stronger yeah i think he will die a superhumanly strong man (laughs) (laughs) or maybe he'll never die (laughs) 
perhaps he is immortal. Who would they get Queen back to do the score? That's part of a bigger uh, part of the enjoyment of the first Flash Gordon is the over-the-top synthy Freddie Mercury written score. Details are a bit thrown on the ground, unfortunately, but that would be a great idea. Or whoever the equivalent of Queen is now, like the Darkness or something. <laughs> yeah, the Darkness. They could do. They could do with a gig. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't done much since their like Christmas single like six years ago. But... <laughs> it's longer than that. <laughs> it's a while ago. <laughs> it's probably a good decade. I'm just an old man, you know. I don't really keep up with the kids. Who else is the equivalent of Queen now? Who has a? He's uh, got the squeakiest voice around, like got... Maroon Five or something. <laughs> With <laughs> such old men. Um, yeah, but you know, they did that they did a song recently. You know, the kids still listen to Maroon Five, don't they? Yeah. All the kids? One direction? Yeah, I don't they're not queen, are they? Um who has a gay <laughs> singer with Sam Smith. Sam Smith. He's yes. A- Sam Smith to score <laughs> the uh Flash Gordon sequel. You heard it here first, guys. Marvelous. Because we just made it up. So that's my news. Brilliant. Uh further news. Jamie Foxx, you know that guy. Yes. He's in movies. He is, yes. He is going to star in a Mike Tyson biopic. This has been in the works for a while. It's going to be written by Terrence Winter, who did The Wolf of Wall Street and Sopranos Veteran and also... Boardwalk Empire. The showrunner of Boardwalk Empire. And apparently now he's got Scorsese attached to direct it. Though this hasn't been confirmed. But in a recent interview, uh, Jamie Foxx said the following, I just went in with Paramount with Mike Tyson, so I'm going to do the Mike Tyson story. Because <laughs> that's how it works. You go on with somebody, you have to do that story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, to be in the same room pitching Mike Tyson to Paramount, Mike Tyson on one side, I'm on the other side doing Mike Tyson at the same time, and Mark Scorsese at the helm. This will be the first boxing movie that Mark Scorsese has done since Raging Bull. So that that quote kind of suggests that it's surprising he's taken that long to do another boxing film. I know. Right. Um, yeah. I think this is like quite a bad idea. One of the big problems is that Mike Tyson is currently 48. Jamie Foxx is 47 and uh, apparently, apparently this has been brought up the fact that he's too old for the role to be playing him in his younger days uh, younger days. and uh, he said don't worry we're going to be using performance capture technology which just sounds are hilarious are they really? Yeah. so it's going to be like Captain America <laughs> yeah, except gonna... instead of making him super skinny they're going to make him super young yeah young Jamie Foxx okay that's really weird I don't really want to see a Mike Tyson Murphic. he's like a horrific convicted rapist yeah it's weird that you know he's a very controversial character and he seems to be very much on you know to the point of sitting in on the casting like he's obviously very much on board with the new film so yeah yeah also um well he referenced raging bull there but raging bull was a film about a boxer who was really violent and like a sort of troubled all these internal problems yeah and was really good at boxing it's like superficially it seems like the same kind of movie and that's like a kind of a classic you know how can you do you can't do it any better maybe the mike tyson biopic would just be mike tyson the eight years now appearing in like the hangover and stuff would be more about yeah yeah there's more interesting part of his life yeah (laughs) yeah exactly how he got a really bad tattoo where the real drama lies yeah yeah Uh, doing his broadway one-man show which he did do really he did like an on-off uh, off-Broadway one-man show. Don't know what the hell that would have been. <laughs> an like. on-off Broadway. An on-off. He did it He's one kind day. of on and off with Broadway. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's kind of get excited. It feels very much like a vanity project for Jamie Foxx. I feel like, you know, it's a real Oscar-y kind of, I'm going to... Also be a vanity project for Mike Tyson. Too much vanity suits in this. vanity. Yeah. Final piece of news. Emma Thompson will play Mrs. Potts, the housekeeper magically transformed into a teapot. Wow. Whom uh, Dame Angela Lansbury voiced in the 1991 animated version of the film. (laughs) 
what? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading. I don't really know this story, but like, are they remaking? Oh, I see. Beauty okay. and the Beast. Right. Okay. Action. I was like, are they doing like a spin-off about Mrs. Potts? <laughs> no, but she's now she's the most recent cast member. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fellow Oscar winner Kevin Klein has also signed on to play Maurice, uh, the father of the beauty character Belle. This is like a live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast, um, following on from their remake of Cinderella. That's what they do now, right? Yeah. They, they strip out the songs. They add in real film. Yeah. yeah. And uh, voila. Voila. Uh, you know, but there's a lot of problems trying to just work out the third act. You're already done. Yeah. Bam. Yeah, the story is no longer yeah. consideration because you did it already. Exactly. Hey, should we make some storyboards? No need. Animated the entire storyboards like 20 years ago. Yeah, we have the storyboards. It's called The Film We Made. <laughs> just... What this I find quite funny because also Luke Evans has been attached as Gaston and Emma Watson's Belle and yeah. Josh Gad is uh, Gaston's mate. So I forget his name. But it's literally like they just got the oh, yeah. cartoon. Yeah. And Josh just... Gad, the sidekick LeFou. He's like he is like the Olaf the Snowman character. Yeah. yeah. But it's like they've got the they're literally just finding actors who look like the original the drawings from the nineties version. Yeah, because Josh Gad actually does look a bit like um yeah. LeFou in Breaching the Beast. And Luke Evans does look like Gaston, like funky <laughs> man. It's like the just the imagination <laughs> of the casting director has plummeted. Yeah. That's pretty funny. The only cast is Emma Thompson because they just couldn't find an actual talking teapot. <laughs> but she's sort of Angela Lansbury-esque I think that's a good match like sort of British uh, comforting posh treasure, voice sort of yeah yeah I don't know I'm very excited and now for Danny to review a film he recently saw was it staggeringly brilliant was it ask jingly poor how did Danny form a judgement we're about to hear his thoughts if he does a rubbish job then Sam will tell him off so the tale of Princess Kaguya it's the latest animation from Studio Ghibli, uh, makers of classics such as Spirited Away and every Hao Miyazaki movie. And it's an adaptation of a Japanese folktale entitled The Tale of the Bamboo Cutter. I don't know why they changed that. That's a great title. That's a in- more interesting title. Tale of the Bamboo Cutter. And it's directed by Isawa Takahata, who is the co-founder of Studio Ghibli, uh, along with Hao Miyazaki. And he is best known for directing Grove of the Fireflies. Right. He's also super old. He's like 79 years old. So this was nominated for Best Academy Award. Everyone loves it. I'm but excited. not Danny, huh? Um, well, let me... let me. I, I, I can't really give you a synopsis because it's like based on a folktale, which is so slight that I could, I could just tell you the entire movie in about five sentences. But the premise is... So there's a bamboo cutter called Miyasuku. He's cutting uh, bamboo in the forest. That's his job. He sees this glowing shoot out which pops a tiny little baby girl about the size of his hand. Uh, <laughs> takes this home to his wife. The baby then grows into a regular-sized baby, and they name her uh, Takenoku, which is, means little bamboo shoot in Japanese. It's adorable. Uh, then over the next few years, she grows at a super-fast rate. She's like a little Japanese Renesme from Twilight uh, yeah. Dawn Part 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she prevents all the village children, and then uh, quite a funny bit... Uh, they, the dad finds another magical shoot. This one now is full of gold. Wow. And he relocates the entire family to the city because he's like, Takenoku is like a princess and she needs to learn how to be a lady and he pays for her to get a governor and the plot develops from there. But not that much from there, to be honest with you. <laughs> so pretty much what I've just said, which took me about 30 seconds, literally describes everything that happens in the first 40 minutes of this film. Right. So I, I just couldn't get on board with this film. I don't understand why everyone loves it. Too slow? 
It's so it's 137 minutes long. Wow, that's really long. And it's like a it's got it's like a kids movie. Um, is it does it feel like it's aimed at children or is it more the sort of dreamlike? Well, kind of... well I, I, I don't know. I was really confused by it. It's got this very impressionistic style. I mean, it's like really beautifully animated. You can't argue with that. And it's um, if you're familiar with like the Miyazaki style, it's very different. It's like all sort of hand drawn and very sort of uh, you can tell someone's drawn it. You know, it doesn't hide the fact that it's made by human hands. Okay. And it doesn't obey the laws of proportions or whatever. It whatever tells the emotion in that scene. You know, so it has. What, so an angry person's head will in, you know enlarge. Yeah, like Pokemon. Yeah, and a yeah. giant drop will appear if they're really anxious. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not like that, but sort of in that realm. Yeah, and if someone's putting his foot down, the foot will grow to tremendous <laughs> size. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and like the animation is really good. And there are certain bits of it I really liked. It reminded me a bit of The Snowman or Peter and the Wolf, if you've seen the animation of that, where yeah. it feels like a fairy tale that's been turned to a piece of music which has then had animation put to it. Right. And there's all these kind of musical sequences. And those were the sort of best bits in the movie, because I'll get on board with those. It's, like, absolutely beautiful, but it has the plot and narrative depth of a fairy tale, which basically is, like, three pages worth. Yeah, you kind yeah. of follow me. And I don't know. It was just it was just very long, and I found it quite dull. Yeah, in terms of... Um a kind of rural existence punctuated by magical happenings in a forest <laughs> reminds me a bit of um, My Neighbor Totoro. Is it an- anything remotely similar to that? Because um, that cause I saw that recently. That was also kind of had this sort of dreamlike quality to it and uh, the plot is fairly slow and it just seems to be more about kind of luxuriating in all the like magical wonder. Yeah, to an extent, I'd say, but just not nearly as good. Okay. Maybe like very superficially they're similar. There's no like cat bus with like yeah, eight no legs cat bus. or something. Yeah. That was awesome. And it's just bizarrely uh, dialogue heavy for like an animation. There are long like dialogue scenes. And the bit when the movie kind of works is like when it's actually like loads of motions happening and like loads of stuff and like going through the forest or geez, all this stuff. And it's like, oh, cool. Like, this is awesome. And then there's like it's a long like five minute scene where that's everyone's sitting down. It's like, how much animation does it take? Like, like one day, like one guy blinks. It'd be like, yeah, you know, yeah. it was just really like sucked the energy out for me. I think just the, the inherent story is just a bit dull. It's not like a European fairy tale where there's like an antagonist and there's like some peril or danger. It's like, yeah, it's like if Red Riding Hood, there was just no wolf just went and met her grandma yeah that's the sort of narrative <laughs> leaps of the movie it got a lot of love from the critics it got 100 percent of rotten tomatoes wow and i get that like you know the it's supposed to be sort of languid and you're supposed to like it's all sumptuous and you're supposed to like you know just sort of let, let it wash over you i was just like i was really very bored it must be what it, it must be what it's like when you watch like a terence malick movie or something you know yeah <laughs> i have this insight but i don't know who it's for because it's like only like a really critics. young child would get it because it's so simple but it's also really long so yeah. I, don't, I don't know where it's pitched at I don't know I can't recommend it but that's a ev- shame everyone uh, loves it apart from me so logically everyone's an idiot apart from me so if you doubt Danny's opinion you should re- you know there's a lot of uh, yeah contrasting I, voices I thought out it there. might be one of those films where slightly I know pretentious or high-minded critics would like love it and then some critics who kind of brand themselves more populist you know mayo would hate it commode would love it yeah 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 but everyone loves it so maybe like why would you go see a film about a bamboo <laughs> cutter and his magical 
like vegetables. Yeah, so sorry my reviews of it thin because I just basically I could only take the movie at a superficial level. I have a question about so dull. Uh, about the the story. Yeah. So uh, this bamboo cutter, who's presumably very poor, right? Yeah. You can't sell bamboo for very much. No, he seems fine though. To be honest with you. Okay, but he <laughs> discovers a patch of forest which gives him a valuable magical gift every so often. Yeah. And after he gets the second gift, he leaves. When yeah. you stay there and be like, what's the next thing that's going to come out of the... Yeah. I've got this gold now. Maybe I'll just buy, you know, I don't know, a nice uh, sword to cut the bamboo with, put my um, magical princess daughter through um, university. Yeah. And uh, stay where I am in case I wander back into the forest <laughs> and, you know, out, out of the chute comes... Yeah. <laughs> the car, yeah. In feudal Japan. Yeah. It's just, I just can't. You've just worn you out. It's worn me it's out. How dull it was. Yeah. All right. So um, don't go see it or do. I don't know. Just, just don't. do what you want. Do. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Don't, just don't tell me about it. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends. And the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Anyway, I heard you saw, and contrary to my film experience, you saw like a masterpiece. Like I did see a masterpiece. I was, I was casting about for a film to review this week. I didn't really have time to go to the cinema. And I saw a news article about a film which has recently come out um, on video on demand. Um, I think it might only be available in the US. And it had a very limited cinematic release there. It was like on about like five screens or something where it did... Um, terribly <laughs> it's called uh it's called the cobbler um it's a new adam sandler film which doesn't inspire confidence but it's one of adam sandler's occasional like slightly loftier or more worthy efforts sure. um with a real like proper director the director is a guy called thomas mccarthy who um is an actor and a director he directed several very well received um american indie movies before the station agent and the visitor and uh, most recently win win um and you might also know him from uh being a sort of sleazy journalist in the fifth series of the wire yeah. um and he's also got a co-writing credit on up which is something that anyone would want on their cv yeah so um, so that looks good, right? You're expecting that like, maybe it's going to be some kind of Paul Thomas Anderson type collaboration where Adam Sandler, you know, puts in this great performance and uh, the movie is actually really good, you know, like Punch Drunk Love or sure, sure. something like Funny People where he's very good in that as well. Um, and so I think people had a lot of high hopes and then it, it, it sort of hit the festival circuit last year and was pretty much universally panned by critics. You were saying that this your movie has got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? This yeah. one's got like 7%. Wow. It's like... A, it's got to be one of the worst received films of 2014. Yeah, so the story, right? It's this kind of magic realism, like fairy tale type thing. 
Uh, Adam Sandler plays a cobbler in New York. He's a fourth-generation cobbler. He's got his old cobbling shop, <laughs> and he uh, his stitching machine breaks one day, and he goes uh, down to the basement, and he uncovers his father's old stitching machine. He hasn't used that in a while. You know, he's upgraded since then. And he um, mends someone's... Um, shoes with <laughs> men someone's shoes with a stitching machine and then they have nice shoes so he just like tries them on and then he discovers to his astonishment that he has transformed into the person whose shoes they wow. belong to wow incredible he's absolutely blown away right well, i'm blown away just hearing about it yeah and so he has this magical machine and if the shoes fit him he turns into the person yeah. and so there's a very obvious kind of like metaphor there about knowing someone by walking in their shoes right <laughs> but the thing that's so bizarre about it is that you know that's like the setup for some kind of children's movie with a simple moral message about you know you can very easily imagine the grumpy misanthropic man who learns to connect with people by you know walking in their shoes or whatever some sure, kind of groundhog sure. day style like transformation yeah, yeah but the movie does not explore this like at this like implication of it at all that's what's so bizarre like almost nothing that happens in the film makes like dramatic sense you know it's not the story that you would expect with that as the premise and the result is that you spend a lot of the film being like what like you know the the sort of the motivations of the characters don't really make sense and tonally it is all over the place and you're just like what happened like nothing yeah. is nothing is coming together you know nothing is working the whole time you're watching it you're just like something has gone wrong on some level and uh yeah it's like <laughs> i don't know who was responsible but i don't know it's kind of how's, a fascinating um, car crash to watch how's adam sarner in it he's doing a kind of combination of his serious like i'm a sort of depressed like old man um type performance that he does in funny people combined with the occasional more like zany like comic um timing moments right, and he's okay. like fine in it you yeah know? i think he's a he's pretty he's pretty good in it yeah maybe he's an underrated actor but he's a much better actor than his films are no he's a he's a he's a good actor and uh he's good in this movie but like pretty much nothing in the film is actually working sure um so i've got a clip from the movie which i'm going to play to give you a sense of it basically this is the scene where he, the the guy guy comes into his shop and uh, gives him a pair of shoes which he will later use you know and discover that he can turn into him whatever on the magic wow. machine and the guy comes in is an, an angry aggressive black character played by method man uh, <laughs> and um from the wu-tang clan from the wu-tang clan and also the wire and also the wire She's from the wire absolutely that's probably how thomas mccarthy knows him and you will discover that he is a very sensitively drawn and interesting character and nothing he says is a cliche of a black American gangster. Let's hear that. What's up, man? Come on, hook me up. Yeah, sure. How you doing today, my G? Working hard? Yes. Yeah, good, good. Can't knock the hustle. Work hard, play harder, right, player? God bless Americola. <laughs> Like that watch, huh? Sure. Shit. Got a collection at home worth three times this shop. Can always tell a man buy his watch. Right, shoe man? Four bucks. Four bucks. That's the rate. Fair enough. Oh, I almost forgot. I need these fixed, shoe man. Okay. What do you want done? 
new souls. And I need them tonight. They close at six. Close when I get my shoes. Just playing with your shoe, man. See you at six. I don't know what you were talking about, Sam. That's one of the most interesting and riveting conversations I've heard in modern cinema. <laughs> it really amused me the way he was always calling him Shoe Man. He doesn't know what a cobbler is. I want my shoes, Shoe Man. Give me my shoes. What does he call, like, uh, like a chef? What? Food Man. <laughs> Goes to a Serve restaurant. my meal, Food Man. Listen, righty man. Cut my hair, hair man. <laughs> <laughs> Just doesn't know the name of anyone's professions. <laughs> Yeah, as you can hear, Adam Listen, Sandler. Learn, man. He's not really, he's not really on board with uh, with that guy. You know, obviously, he yeah, finds him a bit annoying. Um, so once he discovers that he has his power to transform himself to anyone, the way he decides to use that is he goes on a kind of like adventure across the city, seeing what he can get away with by like turning into someone else. Right, and it's like the conceit of being able to transform yourself into someone else and like have their life obviously comes with some like ethical issues right yeah, some moral completely. issues which the film it doesn't even not only does it not address them but it kind of acts as though it doesn't even like aware it's not even aware that it, they exist right so he turns into method man and he what he does as method man is just robs a guy he just like robs a, a rich white guy yeah it's like I'm, I'm black now that's what they do right yeah yeah he also turns into a handsome young white guy yeah and then like tries to sleep with his girlfriend <laughs> right so he kind of finagles his way that sounds sounds problematic right sounds a bit rapey to me. it's be. quite rapey right yeah you, you're gonna like end up it doesn't he doesn't go through there because he realizes he can't take off his shoes but um <laughs> That's the only thing stopping him. That's the only thing stopping him. But oh it, but it, but if he did, then he's like, you know, he's having sex with someone on false pretenses. Yeah, can, right. That is wrong. That's wrong. That's like morally wrong. But it's like played for laughs, which is what's so weird. And then it's followed by this really serious scene where he's he's got this <laughs> mum, right? He's got a mum, right? He's got a mum, right? He's yeah. got a mum, yeah. And he lives with his mum, and yeah. she's kind of uh, a bit senile, and his dad has left. Bust. And his mom is talking about how lonely she is and how much she misses him. And so Adam Sandler finds an old pair of his dad's shoes, turns into his dad, who's Dustin Hoffman. Right. And, like, goes on a sort of date with his own mom. Okay. It's pretty weird. It's fucked up. And then, like, you might think, you know, she's, like, finds it very romantic and wonderful. And, uh, but the mo- what would be logical is for them to, like, kiss or something. Yeah. But instead, he just sort of puts her into bed and just, like, leaves. He's just, yeah. like, mysterious. He's just gone now. It sounds and a bit she like, doesn't. She doesn't really question it, you know. Sounds a bit like the director's a sociopath, and his fantasies are just like robbing somebody, fucking yeah. some somebody's uh, girlfriend, <laughs> and like taking his mum out on a date. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just so bizarre, you know. It's like you can sort of see how you're supposed to feel in each scene. Like I'm supposed to laugh in this scene, and I'm supposed to like cry in this scene, but it, nothing judged. is working. And there's some kind of subplot which turns into the main plot about gentrification and some kind of anti-gentrification message. Then you sort of feel like maybe what the movie is getting at is that New York is this melting pot and we're all like each other and you you know sure. you've got to learn to understand other people and stuff. But nothing in the film supports that at all. Right. Um, and uh, the character who he spends the most time in the shoes of is Method Man. So that would be the character who he would you know you'd think that the person he is spending the most time as is the person who he'd come to identify with and learn to be more like whatever. But yeah. that character is just a two-dimensional, thuggish, like, evil villain. 
So five and then stars? and then uh, finally, like the most like bizarre thing is that <laughs> like in the end, it goes totally off like the rails, like in the last ten minutes, and he turns out like that maybe it was a story of him turning into some kind of like cobbler Batman, like like solving crimes or something. <laughs> And it kind of there's this whole myth, like cobbler mythology that develops, and you sort of think that they're like aiming at a sequel. Do you like fall down a pit when he was young and there's like loads of shoes about? So. <laughs> well, he had to become what he was afraid of. Yeah, the shoe man. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it creates this. Uh, What's his symbol? Just like this... a shoe and a silhouette. Well, we don't know because I'm guessing the likelihood of this being option for a sequel is probably quite low. I mean, I don't think the budget could have been that high on it because it really doesn't do you know very much yeah um but i doubt it will have made it back um <laughs> yeah just so weird i don't know it's a real like curio if you if you want to watch a movie and spend the whole film just being like what like why did he do that <laughs> it'd be a good film to see with someone else and then come out at the end and be like why like why did that happen yesterday i bumped into imelda staunton she was up with her dog and we Talking. I asked her what she does when she isn't acting. She said she likes podcasts for relaxing. Imelda, when you're in the mood, what do you listen to? She said, I listen to one podcast, I listen to one podcast. All the other ones can kiss my ass, but I listen to one podcast. Film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat. Danny, have you seen the trailer for Pixels? Yes, it is the best trailer I've ever seen in my life, ever. It made the Inception trailer look like a video of just two men fighting over a stick. <laughs> You're That's right. how great it was. What is Pixels about, Sam? Pixels is a feature adaptation of a short film made by a man. It's about uh, the invasion of Earth by 1980s arcade video game oh characters. Oh, my God. Pac-Man's um, going down, you know... Uh, Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue or something, chomping the Empire State Building, something like that. Right. There's a scene in the trailer where the creator of Pac-Man appeals to his creation and he's just gets his hand bitten off. Adam Sandler is in it and he's roped in all of his chums from his previous terrible films like Kevin James yeah Kevin James Kevin James is a president so what yeah he plays for him I think maybe he's contended to be sort of Chris Christie style uh, president and he'll or like Rob Ford and he'll just um, be you know dogged by scandals and shouting at people and like be really horrible that's what I hope anyway it looks like an incredible film yeah, the line where Adam Sandler says Pac-Man's a bad guy in, like, horror. Pac-Man's a bad guy? Pac-Man's a bad guy? Yeah, it's really special. Well, so. Pac-Man did eat all those... Maybe we've just been looking at it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Those ghosts were, like... Pac-Man's out of control. He's, like, tearing the city apart. The ghosts are, like, the police. Mm. Stop him. He just eats them. They're so dedicated to their roles that even after Pac-Man has killed them, as ghosts, they return to try to restrain him. If anything, it's just an, it's the whole thing, the allegory for the, just the stoicism of the police force. <laughs> it's a very powerful message in support of our, about it, support of our of, boys in blue. Kind of welling up, just thinking about the message of it. Oh my god, what's yeah. Donkey Kong about, do you reckon? Um, I think Donkey Kong, I think the creator of that saw King Kong and it was like, if only he had some barrels, yeah. it would have been fine. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, he needed he needed to be empowered. Exactly. I mean, King Kong has got a huge kind of racial component to it. Yes, it's got a highly racist undercurrent to it. 
So Donkey Kong is like the white man's fear of of black people, right? Absolutely. What who's happens? whiter than Who's whiter than uh, Mario? Who's whiter than Mario? He's, he's, the, he's Adam Sandler. A, he's the symbol. Mario is the symbol of uh, the white uh, working class everyman. You know, blue collar worker, blue collar hero, trying to trying to stop the evil gigantic uh, you know, black I man. This from... was like a frivolous film, but a lot of shit going on now. Thinking about I assume it. all these all this subtext is going to be in the film. Pretty obvious. Yeah. So, Danny, <laughs> previously on Film Chat, a couple of. Uh, films have come up which are very well known very famous influential films that I haven't seen yeah it was really embarrassing just recalling the sound of Katie's palm hitting her face in horror when I mentioned I haven't seen Alien yeah or she Aliens she hurt herself doing that yeah every week she goes she had a big palm concussion. print bruise yeah. straight on like all the way covering half her face yeah and I feel cool. terrible it sends shivers down my spine just think about it so I'm thinking um, maybe Every week, I will watch another film that's a hole in my filmography. Sure. Because I want to consider myself an authority, you know? When people listen to the podcast, I want them to be thinking, oh, he knows what he's talking about. He's seen most of the uh, films, you know, that that people mention. Exactly. And many films that people don't mention because they're obscure, you know? He's very... um, Because he's, you know, got deep film knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I'm... Right now, I don't... How's anyone going to... You know, I haven't seen Rocky, for example. You haven't seen Rocky? No. Have you seen Rocky 2? I haven't seen Rocky 2. Rocky 3? No, I haven't seen that. Rocky 4? Uh, no, I haven't seen Rocky 4. Rocky 5? <laughs> Rocky Balboa? Rocky Balboa? No. no. It's Rocky 5, then Rocky Balboa. That's 6. That's Rocky, 6. It's 6 Rocky right, That is a lot, isn't it? No, I haven't seen any of them. I've only seen 3. I haven't seen Rambo either. My Stallone um, knowledge is pretty low. Have you seen First Blood Part 2? No. First Blood Part 3? <laughs> no. I've seen, I've seen Rambo Third Blood Part 1. <laughs> oh, but well, less said about that. That's a much cheaper. <laughs> that's a much cheaper spin-off. Um, so, so what's going to be? What film have you? Uh, well, maybe Alien will be first, right? Alien. Yeah, because that's a good good movie. I'm told. Yeah, it's really good. I want to see John Hurt as a younger man. I'm, I'm only seeing him playing like dusty he old. Still sounds the same. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> Here we are in space. How old are you? I'm 18 years old. I came out of the womb with a fag in my mouth and it hasn't left my lips since. Is that one of his lines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the chest, but the chest, the chest mouth was seen. <laughs> to explain all that. Something called a chest, Berta. <laughs> that's, that's, my impre- that's my impression of H.R. Geiger. Despite his name, it's very posh. Yes, I created a little chest, Berta, and uh, the xenomorph. <laughs> Yeah, so I've had a glass of wine. Let's just be a bit, a bit drunk. We noticed the energy levels have really gone up at the end of the show. It's really exciting. We should always be maybe a bit tipsy. Yeah, I think record. I think a shot before we start is the way to go. Right. Anyway, well, Danny, it's been another. It's been delight. Let's clink our glasses, and that bell-like tolling <laughs> <laughs> indicates that the podcast is at an end. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week. Kisses to you. Film Jam was written by Megan Fox and directed by Jamie Fox, acting by Matthew Fox, catering by Michael J. Fox, and the costumes by the fantastic Mr. Fox. It was produced by 20th Century Fox and distributed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Created by Fox Searchlights. Fox.